o'clock hour kicking off on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, hearing that beat, I feel like I should be in a jazz club with some slacks on. Get old Louis Armstrong up in here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're cooling on Weston Walker, man. That's all right. Yeah. You don't like Common, or you just feel like it's no, a little too I like chill? Common. Do you like Common? Okay. It's not Common. Finding Forever is a classic, in my opinion. You said, I was going to ask, what what you say is a classic? I keep. Finding Forever. Finding Forever. Gotcha. You can text in with your Common analysis if you want to. 704 570 9610. There are so many different things going on. Well, I was, trying to, I was trying to go back to you because I couldn't hear you because, one, your mic wasn't on. And then I tried to go back, and I felt like you were playing me because every time I tried to kick it to you, you were doing a Mountain Dew sip. And then you stopped. And I was like, <laughs> so I was like, okay, no, but no, what, no. what'd you say? And then you went for a Mountain Dew sip again. And so I was just like hung out to drive, trying no, to figure no. out what to do. No. Uh, let's talk about some of these free agents, NFL free agency as a whole, not just regarding the Carolina Panthers. The official signing period, it does open up at 4 p.m. And that's when you don't have to go through an agent. You can talk with the players. And that's why everybody is kind of watching out for Lamar Jackson. Wes, what say you on the Lamar Jackson situation? Who does he end up playing for? How do you think this all goes down? Yeah, um, tough. Real tough. Boy, okay. I'm trying to think quickly here. I, I can don't... give you my thoughts while you think if you want to. I'll okay, just... go ahead. Okay. I think he's going to go back to Baltimore. Okay. I think that's what's going to end up happening because even if a team offers what they deem fit, I don't think that Baltimore is going to sidestep that and they're just going to go ahead and match it, right? Like the whole thing here is if there's a team that can blow what the Baltimore Ravens offer was out of the water. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to happen. There might be some there might be some suitors for Lamar Jackson, but if they extend him a contract, is it going to be so much more than what Baltimore originally offered that they are just going to let him walk? I don't think that's going to happen now. I think Lamar wanted to test it. To see if he might get that offer where you get the whole 200 mil guaranteed Deshaun Watson, yada, yada, all that good stuff. And then once he doesn't get it, then Baltimore, if he does even get an offer, maybe he doesn't. But either way, a couple of the different roads that you can take, I think you're still taking that journey back to Baltimore. I do not think he's going to be back in Baltimore. I do think he's going to get a tremendous offer that Baltimore will choose not to match. I feel like the damage is done here when we talk about, uh, you you talked about the the negotiations and things being said and the things that have been put out there by Baltimore. They said, uh, I heard this morning, they said that, he didn't participate in offensive meetings like that towards the end of the season and things of that nature. I just feel like that relationship is so damaged. I think he's going to go somewhere else. I think one of the teams who said that they won't, uh, that they wouldn't sign him, they're going to come back into the picture. Um, if I had to guess right now, just say just say wild guess, I'm going to go with Atlanta. I think Atlanta, like they said, they have the cap space to do it. I think he would be tremendous for that fan base. They've been pining for a Michael Vick-like quarterback since he left. And so I think that uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Lamar ends up in Atlanta with the deal that he wants, gets that fresh start, and uh, Panther fans are going to go hide in their rooms. You want that to happen? Yeah. That'd be great. Of course you would want that to happen. (laughs) See Lamar out there on that Bank of America turf running 80 yards down the field and the, the fans the th- just aggravated. The thing about <laughs> the the bad juju already surrounding this is, does another team care? Because ultimately it's going to come down to another team wanting to throw the crazy offer. Mm-hmm. And so if it's Atlanta, 
do you think it's going going to be the crazy offer that Baltimore is unwilling to match? Yes. And that's what I have a hard time believing. Yes. But you think so? Yes. I'm, it might not be exactly what he wants. It might not be the 250 guaranteed. But I still think it's going to be enough that Baltimore is going to say it's, it's too rich for my blood. And again, I think the relationship is damaged. I don't think Lamar necessarily wants to go back there at this point. So Lamar might, if he does get an offer, he might sign with somebody else, even if it's, I mean, again, just Baltimore has control over this to a certain degree. They do. Right, so that, that's, and that's why, why I think ho- the team that signs him will know that, and they will try to get out there and put something out there that they feel like they're going to dare Baltimore to match it. Um, we did have a text from the bagel guy. He said, are you guys watching out for the Rogers decision at 1 PM on the Pat McAfee show? Yeah, no, I mean, we'll be paying attention to it and then I guess we'll talk about it, but I wonder if it's going to be this LeBron James, the decision type episode where we have to wait for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And then Aaron Rodgers is going to reveal that he absolutely is he needs going to, to play say for something the Jets. today. If he gets on there and just has regular conversation and doesn't say anything, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, man. Well, we know how you feel with the foul line stuff. And he asked the Jets to go after Mercedes Lewis, which that is amazing he's still in the league. It's, right? it's amazing that Mercedes Lewis is still playing And was playing never a NFL. really dominant player. He was a good, solid player at times. But it's like, I mean, we're acting like this is Tony Gonzalez at the end of his career where he could still get out there and, and ball. He, I think he was a first-round pick. Is he a bust? If he's a first-round pick? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Mercedes Lewis still playing 17 years later is absolutely nuts. And he also asked for Randall Cobb. He also asked for, uh, I think, Alan Lazard is is who they already agreed to. So we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers and him possibly leaving for the New York Jets. I want to talk about the possibility of Carolina signing Adam Thielen as well. Do you think he's going to be the wide receiver number one for this team if they do end up signing Adam Thielen? I know you feel very good about him agreeing to a deal with Carolina. Somebody else put in the text line, it looks like reports are saying that Kansas City might be interested in Thielen. Mm. I know who I'd rather pass uh, catch passes from, a rookie QB or Pat Mahomes. We'll see about the money, but I know who I'd rather catch passes from. They're also going to be a Super Bowl contender, but maybe Adam Thielen wants a little bit more money. So we'll see. What, do, what say you on Adam Thielen, what his role would be if he was here in Carolina? Uh, as I said, I think he will be no less than a two. Um, when you look at his game, it's predicated upon route running, precision, um, and I think that that will help a young quarterback out a lot because because he's going to know where Thielen's going to be uh, at the end of his drops, and so I think he will be a nice pickup there. And I think that as far as the winning is concerned, he may not feel like he can win a Super Bowl in Carolina, but I think he feels like this is a team that's going to perhaps compete and get into the playoffs because of the division uh, that they're in, unless Lamar Jackson comes. And then, like I said, you know, Derek Carr and the Saints, what they have to offer. But, um, you know, I think that he wants to get those inflated numbers because he knows if he comes here, if he is the number one, and you do get a quarterback like a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud that I think are going to come into this league pretty competent, then he's going to get a lot of targets and a lot of catches. So how much better do we think the weapons are now with Hurst and let's just say for this scenario, they signed Thielen because, you know, I, I think you were asking this as well. And I saw some people on Twitter, you know, 
making fun of some of the fans or some of the experts that might have said they're worried about this weaponry for whatever rookie quarterback they select. Man, are we really like good now that they sign Hayden Hurst and they might see with their at this point with with their overall weaponry? If is if Adam Thielen is included in this, you think they're an average? Yes, man, I still think they're not average quite yet. Like Thielen. I, I want Thielen on this team, mind you. I just think if you bring in Adam Thielen and he ends up being your number one receiver, and then you bring in Hayden Hurst, where the most receiving yards he's ever had is five seventy. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know if I'm putting that up towards what? The top is it a top sixteen group in the league? Like and so and and we're talking about the running backs right now with no Foreman. Like we're not going to include Foreman in this. You can bring Foreman back if you want to. Now Jamal Williams might be out there, your boy. So maybe we bring in <laughs> Jamal Williams. I would welcome could trade that for Derrick Henry or Delvin Cook. I I mean, well, they could trade for him. Um, so we'll see. There are there are more there are more weapons. I'd say, to be- I mean, I'd say average. I mean, I think Hayden Hurst is going to do well. I think Thielen will make plays if he's healthy. I think I think he'll do well too. Um, I think he has a lot to prove. So I think he'll he'll have a nice season as I mean, I look at him as a two. I don't know where they'll find a one from. Um, I think there's gonna be a rookie or two in the mix as well. But that that's my problem though, is where is the one coming from in a free agent class that's so weak yeah. and a draft that's so weak at that position? Weirdly so compared to the last few years that we've had. Like there it's been crazy run on wide receivers the last few years in the NFL draft. And plus, even if you think that there is a number one caliber type receiver, you don't have until the thirty ninth overall selection unless Carolina picks up mm-hmm. or, or trades up, I should say. Yeah. So if you're talking about even let's just compare them within the division. Atlanta's got a better receiving core. They got a better set of weapons right now. If you like Cordero, Cordero Patterson. If you like Drake London, which I do, mm-hmm. and if you like Kyle Pitts, which I think that's all Arthur Smith and Marcus Mariota and different stuff. Like I still, Kyle Pitts is still the man in my opinion. You go down to Tampa Bay, we know what they have. They're trained guys, but they still have Evans. They still have Godwin. So you still have to like their wide receiver duo. And then with the Saints, Chris Olave, it's probably the best young receiver in the NFC South right now. Yeah. I'd put him above Drake London. So in the division, it's pretty clearly to me still that Carolina ranks last. Ranks as a weapon for them and Kamara. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I forgot about Kamara. Right, like Kamara is awesome. So, yeah, I'd still put Carolina number four in that division as far as the weaponry goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's why I said in my opinion. I mean, I think it's a it's an average set of weapons. Like I said, I think Thielen is still very much capable of making plays. Um, can he be dominant anymore? I think maybe those days are behind him. You might get. One out of every five, six games, he might put, go flashback on you. I think Hayden Hurst is going to be a viable target. Um, and then, as I said, I think th- there's still a lot of construction left to be done. If you bring back Deontay Foreman and he stays healthy, that's why I say I, I give an average because I think Deontay Foreman is capable of a thousand yard season if he comes back too. and he stays yeah. healthy for the majority of the games based on what we saw last year. So that's why I say I, I think they have an average. They would have an average set of weapons if that's what you have to this point. So, you know, with with the with the rhetoric surrounding the weaponry, right? Like a lot of the conversation has been nobody was anticipating free agency or the draft was like, no, I was. But it's also a pretty weak group with both of those sides. The The thing is, you still have more work to do is what I'm trying to get to. Like, I'm not. I'm not pleased with just even a Thielen. Even if you bring him in, I still want to invest in the wide receiver position because I think right now 
you have a lot of eggs in the Terrace Marshall ba- basket. Like, think about Terrace Marshall, somebody that you can't really rely on health-wise, even though I've been the one probably between the two of us that likes him more. Mm-hmm. Like, I like Terrace Marshall more than you do based yeah. off of what we've talked about, and I'm still scared about relying so much on him being your outside receiver. Shai Smith, despite him having a pretty good preseason, regular season didn't really work out for him nearly as much. Fine, rookie, six-round pick. Let's go ahead and develop him as much as possible, but still didn't really work out all that well in the regular season. Man, wide receivers for me... I'm using that 39 overall pick on a wide receiver. I'm still looking out on the market for a DJ Chark, for a whoever, right? Like, I still want to get talented, considerably more talented at that position. Because if you have Thielen and Terrace Marshall, you essentially have two possession receivers. There's not a lot of uh, dynamic playmaking to be had down the field if those two are going to be your guys. Now, I know that Thielen has been capable in the past of making ridiculous catches in traffic, so that may be your only hope for chunk plays. And we saw Terrace Marshall do a little bit little bit of that as well when given the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you would have, yeah, you would have a pretty uh, a receiver duo that is lacking top-end speed. That was very nice how I put that. Um, while you're feeling... That was very boom. nice. Why are you feeling it? Just because it was a... Uh... I'm just saying I was very nice. I could have put it much more harsh. Okay. okay. I didn't know what you meant. I thought you were just really feeling the sentence structure of your take. No, 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 no. Just saying. Go ahead, Fiddy. What about a, a 201 number here? What about a, moti- a motivated Ezekiel Elliott on a cheap deal? <laughs> um... Oh, rather, well, you got nothing because I brought up during the break. No, I was waiting to hear what he was going to say. Well, I'd rather go yeah. Foreman. I'd rather go Foreman. Uh, on a cheap deal, I guess. I don't know how cheap it may be. Like I said, I think Ezekiel's a bit washed. He's very slow now. Like, that's that's my problem with Zeke. I mean, he gets out there in the open field, and it's like, I'm not going to call him a tortoise, but. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's just not the same. That's also very nice of you not that you're not going to call him a tortoise. I don't think that was nice, but just just from what we saw from Zeke in his prime to what he is now, man, it's crazy to toll uh, that this game has taken on his body because his explosiveness is pretty much gone. Well, we got to get to uh, we have to get to Randolph Childress here in just a moment. Or Randolph Morris. I did call him Randolph Morris. So we'll get to Randolph Childress in just a moment. But I will say as far as the running back position is concerned, too, if you bring back Deontay Foreman, you still haven't really addressed the third down back. You still have you still don't have anybody that you trust on third down in third and long scenarios coming out of the backfield. So you still have to take care of that as well. All right. Randolph Childress, ESPN College basketball analyst, former Demon Deacon, going to be joining us to talk about the ACC, how they might perform in the NCAA tournament and plenty of other topics as it pertains to March Madness. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The people can't pass a hit man. Was it a team vote not to go to the NIT? Was it the coach's decision not to go to the NIT? How did that work out? Yeah, it was the, uh, the coach's decision. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, and if, if I'm overstepping here, Tress, say, uh, Brian, you're overstepping, but, I mean, if you if it had been up to you, would you have wanted to go to the NIT? Uh, I, think I, I think I would, you know, just that. You know, I have an opportunity to play and uh, showcase a little bit more of my talent. You know, um, the NIT is, is not the current standard, but, you know, there's still some great teams in there. It would have been some great competition for me to showcase my show my, showcase my game against uh, on an all-right stage. And, uh, 
yeah, I would have played. You know, I'm not going to turn out playing basketball. And with that, and with that, we are back on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Hit us up, the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. And now we have Wake Forest, all-time leader in three-point field goals, six in ACC history in three-point field goals, made his jersey hangs in the LG. LJVM Coliseum, and you already know the history in the ACC tournament, folks. I'm talking about Randolph Childress, ESPN College basketball analyst. You'll also be seeing him on Turner as well, giving you the rundown on the tournament, helping you out with your brackets. Welcome in, Randolph Childress. How you doing, my man? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. We're talking about the tournament right now. We came in with that cut of Caleb Love talking about the NIT. Dontre Styles, right? Oh, sorry. Dontre Styles? Is that correct? Yeah. Dontre Styles. Yeah, Dontre Styles. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, was listening to that. I, think I, I think everybody was shocked with that. Yeah, but so. I, I, I'll, I'll say this to you guys about that. I, I wasn't shocked. Um, in my opinion, it's just, like I said, I, you know, you never want to speculate about anything because you're not in the locker room until anyone says it. And the one I said about that situation with that group, that team, was that we're going to learn more about what happened when the season ends. And I think that was just the first step in just saying that they just didn't enjoy playing with each other. I think that's, that's fair to say. Yeah, Randolph, and, and from a player's perspective in that locker room with the way Carolina season went, would you have wanted to play in the NIT and continue the season, or would you have wanted to just uh, turn the page and move on? I think you always want to play, but I understand if you don't. Like, when you've had enough, you've had enough. And, and for whatever, you know, I know sometimes when you're outside of you don't understand. Uh, I've been on, I've been associated, I've been on a coach with a team, and when players don't want to play, um, you can't force them. You know, you're, it's like pulling teeth. You don't want to be in a locker room at that point when guys just don't want to be, they don't want to be there. And um, all those guys got a chance to come back. And let's see if they do. Like I said, you're going to learn without anyone having to say anything. What they do is going to tell us more than anything we're going to get out of just casual conversations right now because you're going to get certain answers. But the actions of what we're, you know, of what they do going forward is going to tell us a lot about that team and what didn't go right and what went wrong as we move forward. All right, and so as we get into this tournament starting officially on Thursday, as far as everybody being locked in, who's the most intriguing team in this tournament, in your opinion, and which team has uh, the most pressure coming into this tournament? Wow, I mean. <laughs> Everyone has pressure. I, I, you know, it's it's funny. I think the most intriguing thing, you know, not sounding like a homer for the ACC, but I think it's Duke. And I, I, I say Duke because no one knows what their what their ceiling is. This is a team that had so many injuries. They battled injuries throughout the year. They're starting to get healthy. They obviously won the ACC championship. I don't know if anyone knows what their ceiling is because we they just they're getting better in front of our eyes at this point in time and. We'll see. I, I think they'll get in this tournament and make a pretty good run. But uh, I, of everyone else, they kind of had their peaks and valleys throughout the year. Duke's one of those teams that 
they've gotten healthy and they're playing together and they're starting to figure some things out and they're a dangerous team because no one knows how good they, they ultimately could be. Randolph Childress joining us on Weston Walker via the Body Works Plus guest hotline, talking about some ACC teams in the NCAA tournament. Another team, I don't know what to do with them, Randolph. It's NC State. You know, after you have a third straight game of getting beat down by the Clemson Tigers in the ACC tournament. Terquavion Smith goes 11 of 13 one game and then has another, you know, night struggling from the field, just kind of like he has for the most part, really, this past month. They have a Creighton matchup. A lot of people are picking the Wolfpack. What say you on the Wolfpack's potential going into March Madness? Just like you just said, I mean, you can, I'm going to pick, I'm picking him to win that game, but They've just been incredibly inconsistent, and I think some of it is shot selection. But they're they're a team that can beat anybody. I, I love Jaquel Joyner. I think Darquavian Smith is as, as explosive a guard as there is in the country. But again, he can go eleven and thirteen one game, and then next game not. I think Jaquel Joyner impacts the game on both ends of the floor. I think he's as good as of a scoring and defensive point guard as there is in the country, and. Uh, the key to them will be Burns has to stay out of foul trouble. He's that third scorer, that guy that when they're not making jump shots, they can throw it into him. But teams are attacking him now, and he's getting in foul trouble, and they're just not the same. That's the way. That's that's just the, the game plan against NC State. You attack him, get him in foul trouble, and you live with them taking shots, and you defend the three point line, and then you know you take your, you take your chances with the rest of things. But uh, that seems to be the formula what teams are doing. And uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to keep D.J. Burns on the floor a little bit more than they've been able to the last couple of games. Well, and Randolph, I mean, NC State gets to the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. And so that right. is a that's a nice thing that Kevin Keats was able to accomplish. But if they get bounced by Creighton and they were one of the last teams into the field anyway with their seating, just how much pressure is on head coach Kevin Keats to win this game and move on in the, in the tournament? I don't think it's any pressure. I I think he's shown what he's capable of doing with these guys. I I think that the program took a step forward. Uh, He's made some adjustments with his staff. I I think you've seen the effect of that. Uh, I I don't think that – there shouldn't be, but outside the normal fans. I mean, you know how fans are. I think there are more coaches in the country that that has more pressure on them at certain jobs and certain situations. It's always that. But uh, I think he's done a really good job. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be pushing the needle toward anything anti, you know, coaching changes or anything toward Keith or anything like that. I think he's done a good job, and this team is capable of winning that game. I mean, Creighton's a tough team. Creighton's that's going to be a really difficult matchup uh, for Creighton. I wonder in the league at times if we had gotten a little bit more respect in the ACC that maybe there would have been higher seeds. And so with Pitt winning as they did last night. Uh, I think that, I think again like last year I think the ACC will do well in, in this tournament. Yeah, Randolph. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on the the treatment of the league, the seedings, because there are some that think that uh, Miami could come out of their bracket uh, over there in the Midwest, and then you have uh, Duke as well. That's a, a trendy pick for many to go far. Uh, do you think that the ACC has a Final Four team in that mix, and that they were seeded uh, too low for the most part? You know what? I think everything is about matchups as you get along in this tournament. Uh, for Miami, if no Chad O'Meara is compromised with that ankle injury, which didn't look good when he went down against Duke, that's going to hurt them. I don't know if they're going to make it 
you know, if he's if he's compromised because he's just so important to them. They don't have any guy. They got a lot of guards. They can miss one of those guards. I think he's irreplaceable for them. And so if he's compromised, we'll find out quickly. They'll have a difficult time with their Drake team if he's not there. I still think they'll move forward. But how far they go depends on his health. Um, Duke, again, as I told you, they're just a team that no one knows they're stealing. That's why. I mean, you know, if you judge them off the early part of the year, they they just been mentioning matching, trying to find guys' bodies, staying healthy. Now they're healthy. I think their only Achilles heel is just consistently making three-point shots. I think that's the only thing that – but they defend at a high level. They have length. They have athleticism. They have some players. And so uh, those guys are coming along. They're healthy right now, and they're a dangerous team. But State's a team that can vote. They can win a couple of games. I think Pitt's a dangerous team that can – with their guard play, they're going to get out-rebounded like they did last night. That's going to be their Achilles heel. Without Federico Federico in their lineup, it's going to be difficult for them. And Virginia has a tough matchup with Furman. You know, that's going to be difficult for those guys. If they can make shots, Virginia can go. But I think ultimately their inability to not, you know, to, to make jump shots consistently or hurt them. And they're missing uh, Ben Vanderblas, which is a major, major issue with them with the broken hand. I mean, he was their best playmaker and passer from the front line. And I don't think they're going to go very far without him. I would be remiss if I did not ask you what were your thoughts on Wake Forest and the way uh, that they ended the season not getting invited into the NIT. And do you feel like fans might be starting to get uh, a little bit anxious with the coach Forbes and where the program is going? Well, as we talked about before, fans are, fans are going to be fans. I, I, you know, it's, the guy, you know, when you lost him in Sanso, that was difficult. You know, he was leading the country in three-point shooting, and you just feel bad for him. That's not anyone's fault. Injuries are just part of the game. Uh, I think Forbes has done a really good job. I'm all, I'm always more patient because I've done it, so I understand how hard it is, and I understand things behind the uh, you know behind the scenes a little bit more than the average casual fan does. So I'm not as quick to say, hey, it's time to move on from from someone. And I think he's done a really good job. Uh, you know, in coaching weight. But, he, you know, he said it before. They're going to have to take steps forward. I think that's just inevitable. This team hasn't made the tournament. I think that's the ultimate goal to get there. Um, but I wasn't surprised. When Monsanto went down, I thought it would be really difficult for him. They had played Syracuse, which is a team. You know, the last thing you want to do when you play a team, uh, uh, you lose your best shooter. And arguably one of, if not the best shooter in the country, is play against the Syracuse zone. In, in, in the next couple of games. And so they were fortunate enough to make some shots. He provided so much size and other things with him that he changed the way Wake plays because he's such a big part of that. So uh, I, I won't say that I'm disappointed. I, I wasn't as shocked. I didn't think we initially would make the tournament. Then they started playing better as the season went on. But I didn't think that this was a tournament team to start the year. Uh, so I, I wasn't disappointed. I thought they played until the injuries took over. I thought they were playing at a level that things, if they caught a break here and there, they could have found themselves in. Randolph Childress joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Wes and Walker. Randolph, I got to ask you, what's your favorite NCAA tournament memory of all time? You went all four years, if I'm not mistaken. So out of I all did. out of all those four years, which one would you say is the favorite? Oh, my favorite. Wow. I don't know if I've, I've had a favorite. I think the... You know what? The one my I don't know if I have a favorite. I tell you this, and Wake Forest fans will probably know this. Only Wake Forest fans will know this. The year I tore my ACL, 
and I said, uh, we were a preseason Final Four pick team. I, I think it's the most talented team that I that I had of my time at Wake, and it wasn't the most accomplished team. It, it's it's ironic the team that with Timmy and my senior year went the farthest with everyone, number one seed, and all those things. But the most talented team that I was a part of would have been my redshirt sophomore team. That team was deep. That team was loaded. We had four NBA players on it, myself. And you had, obviously, you had Rodney Rogers. You had uh, uh, Anthony Tucker and Chris King, uh, Rob Seiler, Derek McQueen. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of guys, a lot of depth. And I, you know, when I told my ACL, we, I, you know, teams just started zoning us. I would have provided a little more outside shooting for that group. But, uh, that would probably be my what if moment because I really felt as though we could have done something really, really special. Well, that and, hadn't been done in a long time, man. Well, and Randolph, I'm not trying to bring up bad memories, man, but I did want to ask you just how much that sticks with you when you lose the last season, right? I believe that loss came to Oklahoma State. It was a tough right. one. So, just how much does that stick with you, and how much are you going to be keeping that in mind? How much do we all keep that in mind when some of these players go down in their senior years, their final seasons, come tourney time? Uh, it's 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 finale. You know what? It was. <laughs> I I remember how I felt when it happened, and I always say the biggest thing is you don't. If you do it right and you play hard enough, you won't have regrets. And I I, I remember the play. I remember it came down to the very end of the game, and like I said, anyone remember my career? I always took the last shot. I was never kind of afraid of that moment. But that game, I passed the ball to go to the Final Four. I passed the ball to Tony Rutland, and he was a freshman. And he missed it. The shot went in and went out, and he missed it. And he laid on the floor, and he was crying. And I laid on the floor with him, and I just told him. I'm, I'm, I passed it to him for a reason, and he took it, and I would do it again. It was the right play to make, and I'd do it again. And he had felt as though he had let me down. I didn't realize how important that moment was until I want to say within the last five or so years, Tony, someone asked Tony this randomly and he tweeted it and he said, that moment stuck out to me. And this is 25 or so years, 30 years later and how much that meant to him. I was okay with that. You know, when you, if you don't give it your all and you don't do everything you you feel as though you're supposed to do, then you'll live in regret. And, And I, that's the only thing you always try to tell any person, you just don't want to live in regret. Things don't always go your way. There's only going to be one team that's going to be disappointing me happy at the end of this. All of the betting and the the, the 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 lies, the overs and gambling and you know everything is going on right now that, that has the fans equally even more involved, I'd say, than normal. Um, it's there's only going to be one team, and everyone's going to be disappointed. I mean, you just go back a year ago. We're talking about Carolina. Look at where Carolina is today as opposed to an Armando Baycott rolling his ankle in, and literally one, one rebound from a year ago. They're a national champion. Like, it's just a fraction of a, of a moment that changes everything, and, it, and it, it can go from so high, it can go from so high to low. And so I'm really just – I don't have really – I don't live in regret. I didn't worry about it. If I had it all over to do it again and again, I, I teased Tony that I, would, I probably should have shot it anyway, but <laughs> I may have hit. I made the right play, and yeah. I, I just—I just not. I'm not a person that lives his life in regret. And I, I would tell that to the kids and young women and men as they're entering these tournaments. Just you just leave in the line, you play your tail out, 
And everybody's excited, and it should be. It's a lot of good basketball to be played here, and it's going to be fun to watch. That's Randolph Childress, Wake Forest legend, ESPN college basketball analyst. You will also be seeing him on Turner. You can follow him on Twitter, R22Childress. Randolph, we appreciate it, my man. We'll see you down the road. All right, buddy. You guys be safe. All right. And then before we get out of here, Fiddy, do you have a quick flash for us? Uh, we'll get to it in just a moment. He's telling Randolph Childress about it. Pretty cool story, though, to be honest with you. Yeah, like, no I, doubt. It's interesting to hear him talk and about it. And Rutgers played high school basketball with Allen Iverson. Okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So you know, Randolph Childress dishing it, making the right basketball play, but it didn't work out for him. That's my favorite part about this stuff, though. Just like kind of digging into the stories of these guys playing careers. Yeah, no doubt. So, Fiddy, you got a quick flash <laughs> for us before we go to break? Yeah, our guy Aaron Rodgers has made it known he does intend to play for the New York Jets upon being traded. He's, he claims he's not the one holding up the trade process, though. It's the Packers and the compensation that he that, that they want to trade him. What do you guys make of him making this public that even if the Packers do trade him, whether it's obviously to the Jets, that Aaron Chach Rodgers will suit up? Typical Rodgers finger-pointing. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers decided. <laughs> There you go. That's all that needs to be said. Yeah, we'll see what Aaron Rodgers does, um, or at least when it's going to happen, when he goes and plays for the Jets, and uh, and and how that roster will all come together. All right, when we come back, we're going to go into the mailbag. Hit us with whatever you want to ask us within reason that will get read on these radio mm-hmm. waves. This is a family show, people. And this is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Texas on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. It is time for the mailbag. We'll answer any question you have for us as long as it's not too, too, too crazy. It can be too crazy, but it can't be too, too, too crazy so we don't get any violations from the FCC. Again, the number is 704-570-9610. I'll lead us off. Can I text in to the text line and ask both of you a question with the NCAA tournament just ahead? It's already underway, but the round of 64 tomorrow join us at carolina alehouse and watch the first round with us favorite tourney team of all time wes what kind of teams come to mind uh no question about it it is the fab five for me the reason why i still like michigan basketball to this day there was nothing like them i hated they never got it done and some of the most painful losses uh of my sports loving life when they lost when they lost the first championship it was you know, they're young. and That's what they whatnot. said, too. Yeah. Yeah. But when they lost that second one in Carolina, especially the fact then of my Carolina hatred was already <laughs> budding. And then they lost to Carolina. That just took it into overdrive. That does have to be one of your worst sports moments yeah, ever. Man, if, that was bad. if the Fab Five are your favorite tourney team ever, and you also hate North Carolina, for that to all come in a perfect storm. Against yeah, you, Wes Bryant. Yeah, it's got to be awful. I took it to another level. I don't know if other Heels fans feel this way. Probably not. But I did like that Fab Five two team as well. I, d- I didn't grow up watching it live. But I wish they would have gotten a championship. But I also don't want to take the Carolina championship away. Yeah. So I would love to have taken the Duke championship away and given that to the Fab Five the first go around. But it couldn't happen. I wish I could, though. Vinny, what's your favorite... Uh, NCAA tournament team of all time. My favorite one of all time will always be that 09 title team because they just mauled everyone in that tournament. Favorite non-UNC teams, that 2016 Oklahoma team led by Buddy Heald, 
was a lot of fun. They got destroyed in that semifinal. Yeah, they did. Buddy Heald was fun, though, man. And then that 2010 Butler team, I really enjoyed watching Gordon Hayward, Shelvin Mack. Brad Stevens with glasses just hit different. Brad, that 2010 Butler team is probably my answer for a non-UNC team. My favorite tourney team of all time, though. It's 2000 Tar Heels with yeah. Ed Coda. It's the eight seed. I've told this story before. It's really what bred my love of sports. But it's Ed Coda, Brendan Haywood, Joe Forte, Lang, all those guys as the eight seed. So you're talking about what well, I was looking at this yesterday. You're talking about final four appearances in 97 and 98. And then in 2000, you were an eight seed. And they still get to the final four. Eventually, they lose to Florida, who would then lose to Michigan State as the Spartans would win the championship. They were the last team put in the field over Virginia. The chairman committee that year was the Virginia AD. That's how you knew that they were worthy of making the tournament that year. Yeah, and then you talk about, uh, I love the uh, the 38-1 Kentucky team with Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker and all those guys. Man, I wanted them to win the title. I was so mad that they lost. You wanted to see greatness. You wanted to see the yeah. undefeated season. Yeah, no, I, I wanted I, to see them win, and I like um, Calipari, too, so I was very aggravated. They did not win. Willie Cauley-Stein. I wanted to see them I wanted to see them beat uh, Wisconsin for sure, and then what? move on against Duke. Yeah, I wanted to You're see them. You're a Carolina guy. Screw them. Screw Kentucky. Yes. I don't. I mean, yeah. Only when they play them though in the non-conference schedule in December. Every time they play. I don't. I don't really care if Kentucky. I wanted to see an undefeated team. That's something that I wanted to see. Plus, I wanted Kentucky. Here's another reason though. Kentucky, the best team all year long. They were undefeated for a reason. Yeah. I didn't think Wisconsin was going to beat Duke. And so I wanted Kentucky to match up against Duke because I did not want the Blue Devils to win with Jaleel Okafor. And that's why I wanted uh, Kentucky to get there. I mean, did you want Duke to win? You're giving me a weird face. I, I don't know, man. I, you would have chosen Duke I, over Kentucky? There's oh, no, no way. But, like, I would never – I never want Kentucky to win. Like, go look at their history and who their coaches are. They're, they're, they're scum. But to know <laughs> now – to know now that Duke won against Wisconsin, if you could go back and do it over again. It didn't again. matter. Duke and Indy, they always cut down the nets. And then, uh, um, okay. UNLV with LJ. Ooh, I know that was a, old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Stacy Augman, all that. That team was sweet, man. Yeah, I, and I then, didn't get to grow uh, up The John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Kentucky team. I was pretty mad that they lost, too. I mean, I, I like Kentucky because they had the big time guys that I knew I was going to see, mm -hmm. that I was going to see at the top of the NBA, and so they were appointment television for me. That's why I'm a college basketball elitist. I like to watch the teams that have the uh, the NBA talent. Except for North Carolina for a while. 704. Well, I do like to watch, but it's to see them lose. Yeah, 704 rode in. Got to be 2001 Duke for them. Won every tourney game by 10 or more. Is that true for that 01 team? Oh, the Elton Brand, Coy, Maggetti team. I like them. That's also Well, they good. were intriguing because that was kind of starting one of the early trends of Teams getting class full of guys that they knew weren't going to be there more than two years. That 01 team that 704 number rode in, that was Shane Batty, AJ Williams. They beat Arizona. I like that Arizona team. Jason Gardner, that was a lot of fun. Somebody else rode in Five Slam Ajama, of course. Uh, the Kimball Walker team in 2011 that also beat Butler the second go around. And then the 2014 UConn team, that's what Kevin rode in. Um, all right, Bud Lightyear, he writes this question is, your GM of the Panthers, do you take a quarterback with the highest ceiling or the highest floor? Wes, you can answer this one. You're taking the one that might have both and Bryce Young. Is that what you is that fair to say? Or is Anthony Richardson the guy with the highest ceiling? He has the highest ceiling, no doubt about it, because the athletic tools are just undeniable. But 
Um, ooh, highest floor. That's tough. I mean, would you say Bryce Young has the highest floor? Like, I think Bryce Young has the second highest ceiling. I think when people talk about the safest prospect and the one with the highest floor, it's the same thing. And I think most people have tabbed C.J. Stroud as the safest because they're all so scared about the size of Bryce Young. I don't know if I agree with that. I think if you just want the guy that put together the best tape, then I'm going with Bryce Young week in and week out. Yeah. And so that's why I feel the most safe. I get that the injury concern is there, and it's very real. I totally understand it. But I, I still think Bryce Young would be the guy with the highest floor, and that's who I'd take. I would take him over Anthony Richardson. Yes. I just feel a lot better about him. Uh, come some people writing in. They are living in nostalgia with the UNLV team. Trying to get to some more of these teams that people wrote in. We can get to, oh, Granny Pat. Granny Pat wrote in this question. I see the Cowboys let Ezekiel Elliott go. Do we want him? I believe Wes answered that question by saying for the right price. I'd be, yeah, it's all got to be for the right price. If it was him compared to Deontay Foreman, give me Foreman. Let's go to a Cowboys fan, though. If you're a Panther fan, is Ezekiel Elliott somebody that you would welcome on the roster? Typically, I would say yes. Uh, then I watched a grown man pout during a playoff game. I don't want him being a problem in a locker room that Frank Reich's trying to win over and establish his culture. He ain't worth it. All right, 803 wins the text chain so far by saying Bryce Young needs the lowest ceiling. And with that, we will dismount from <laughs> Hold this. On, we, need to, we need to ask him the Marvel question, too, with the uh, Marvel Universe of Superheroes coming here on May 14th. Tickets will go on sale March 23rd. No, I do not work for Discovery Place, but Fiddy and I are excited about this. We are going to go. But we did want to ask the question mm -hmm. that we wanted to get in here, but I'm sure we'll get it. Which Marvel character would, would uh, Walker like the most? All right, so that's the question. We we can get some of those answers into the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. I think, I think we said either Ant-Man or, or, or I give. He did, gives off major Doctor Strange vibes. Yeah, did we say who he would like the most, though? Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. E either. Yes. So that's the question. What Marvel character do Pick you somebody think... somebody soft. What, what, Wes, <laughs> goodness gracious. What Marvel character do you think I like the most? It's Wes and Walker coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs>